Gospel according to Mark, the seventh chapter. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jewish people do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesies rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold human tradition. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile the person. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. We all love a good love song, don't we? It's even harder to resist a good love song. Or even cranking up the volume or belting it out in your car when no one is around. Or maybe that's just me. Some love songs stick with us forever and others, well, they just aren't so catchy. I wrote my very first and only love song when I was the age of 13. It's no wonder why I never made it to the Billboard Top 40s from the lyrics that I came up with. From what I can remember, they went something like this. You are a rose, but never red in the face. You are a violet, but never boring and blue. You are sweet, so why not kiss me and like me as much as I like you? It's a good thing that I stuck to being a pastor and not a musician. I'll have to confess that my seventh grade crush was not nearly impressed with my love song as I was. But we all love a good love song. It's even hard to resist a love song. I even Googled what the Billboard top love songs have been over the past six decades. Maybe some of these will be familiar. Maybe some of these are ones that will make you swoon. Maybe some of these are ones you secretly rock out to when no one is around. Or maybe some you've never heard of, like me. Because we all love a good love song, don't we? Songs like Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. How Deep is Your Love by the Bee Gees. I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Crazy in Love by Beyonce. 
Love will keep us together, Captain and Sunil. Just to name a few. It's hard to resist a love song. And so here we are reading love songs in church on a Sunday morning. It doesn't seem like the likely place for that to happen. Yet here, right smack in the middle of the Hebrew scriptures, tucked in between the rather dour philosophy of Ecclesiastes on the one hand and the magnificent epic prophecy of Isaiah on the other, we have a love song, actually a collection of love songs. The Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, as it's called. And for as much as we say we love a good love song, this is the only time in the three-year lectionary cycle we have a reading from this book of the Bible. And it's not even the primary reading from this book of the Bible, it's the semi-continuous reading, which your pastors have decided would be fun to do for the summer and offer guest preachers a fascinating challenge. <laughs> and this text is paired with our gospel lesson for today where Jesus makes it clear that those who are focused on legalistic keeping of the rules, they miss the point of God's good creation and of the grace of God in which we all live as followers of this goodness. And so you may be asking, what in the world is this doing in the Bible? Well, you would not be alone in your ask. Your questioning of this text, this love song, it joins the throngs of thousands from our history who have questioned the inclusion of this text in Scripture. Early rabbis debated its merit and whether it should be included. Early and medieval Christians shared the same worry over the language in the song. Things like, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. My beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my fair one, come away. Early church historian Origen even wrote a ten-volume commentary on this book of the Bible, this Billboard Top 40. I learned that in the Middle Ages, the song was the subject of more commentaries than any Hebrew text. Those people really needed to get a life. <laughs> what is it about this book, this love song, that has sparked such enthusiasm and debate among the centuries? Some have argued that it's an allegory. Some argue that it's about the mutual love between two lovers, love that transcends far more than just the physical and more about fidelity and commitment. For Jewish and Christian interpreters, many have said that this song described the mutual love of God and Israel, or Christ and the church. Regardless of your take on this text, we all love a good love song, don't we? And more importantly, a love song that lifts up mutual respect, love, fidelity, honoring our bodies as creation of God and the honor of all creation in love. In a parish I once served, there was a couple that had been married for 65 years. On the 13th of the month, every month for 65 years, the husband gave his spouse a rose to commemorate their month anniversary, for they were married on the 13th of December. He never missed a month. I learned this story as I saw these two lovebirds hold hands while the husband took his last breath. They literally lived 
what the latter part of Song of Solomon says. Love is as strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. After the husband died, the wife came into my office one day at the church. In she walked, tears flowing down her face, and she had a rose in her hand. It was the 13th of the month. The husband had worked it out with the local florist to make sure that she got a rose on the 13th of the month until she died. Important and interesting to note about this text, it's the female voice who's the one who speaks of love and takes the lead in singing this song. She transcends the legality of the system at the time. She reminds the beloved of what true love is and how it's lived out. She speaks and says later in the Song of Solomon, Love is as strong as death, passion as fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. Raging flame in Hebrew literally means the flame of the Lord, a divine name linked with love at the key point of this text, even to the grave. That's how strong love is from God. To be sure, human love and God's love are not, of course, mutually exclusive. But love in both accounts that is faithful and stays the course is powerful. Love transforms hate. Love breaks stones into hearts that see all creation in the image of God. Love is powerful. There's power in love presiding Bishop Michael Curry reminded literally the whole world at the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Quoting from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love, and when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world. Love is the only way. There's power in love. Don't underestimate it. Don't over-sentimentalize it. Bishop Curry went on to say there's power in love. Love can help and heal when nothing else can. Love can lift up and liberate for living when nothing else will. There's power in love to show us the way to live. Set me as a seal upon your heart, for love is as strong as death. Love is as strong as death. Its flashes are flashes of fire. Many waters cannot quench it. Love can see you through because there's power in love. This love is not just to be exhibited between a couple who loves one another or a couple who is married, but of the whole human family. In fact, the whole cosmos. In a day and time when music and movies simultaneously extol and exploit love, distorted, abused, and taken for granted, In a day and time when there are women's shelters to protect women and their children from domestic and family violence, in a day and time when human and sex trafficking rivals that, rivals that of the drug trade for illegal and financial gain. In a day and time when headlines daily affirm that women around the globe are kidnapped and raped and disrespected. In a day and time such as this, we need, I think, to hear the Song of Songs. We need the power of love and a song to heal this sin-sick world. Jesus of Nazareth taught us that the way of love is the way of real relationship with God who created all of us. And the way to true relationship 
with each other as children of that God and siblings of God's human family. For as one scholar said, Jesus had founded the most revolutionary movement in human history, a movement built on unconditional love, the love of God for the world and the mandate to live that love out. We all love a good love song, don't we? Even more so, we yearn for that authentic and safe, mutual dignity of love. We need to hear voices that speak boldly of God's love, of true love. We need to be reminded of what love can be and how it can be lived out, because there's power in that love. Human love at its best can be a glimpse, a reflection of God's love. And so may we never tire of offering glimpses, reflections, songs, lives that remind the world that there is fierceness in God's great love for you, for me, and for the whole creation. May it be so.